Welcome to the Crazy Cool Family Podcast with Don and Suzanne Manning. Parents, what if we could give you the power to transform your family into something absolutely amazing? A family where everyone is healthy, gets along, loves Jesus, and has great purpose in life. Hey, let us flip your thinking to unlock the power God has given you to create your own Crazy Cool Family. Hey, I want to welcome to the podcast today, Morgan Snyder. Morgan is a long time, over 20 years with John Eldridge's Wild at Heart Ministry. He um, is an author himself and just an amazing, mighty man of God. He's got such great insight into life, into family, into uh, raising kids, uh, marriage, and just you're going to love his story and his insights on family. He has been all over the world training men and how to capture their hearts. And so you're going to love today our podcast with Morgan Snyder. So let's get started. Hey, welcome to Crazy Cool Family Podcast. Don here today with a very special guest um, and very special because their ministry has had a huge impact in my life. So Morgan Snyder, welcome. Don, thanks so much. Really honored to be with you and your tribe here via the podcast. Yeah, so Morgan has been a lifelong, uh, 23 years, he was just telling me, with the Wild at Heart ministry. So first of all, just tell us a little bit about Wild at Heart and let let our people know about that ministry. Yeah, Don, uh, God's been entrusted us with something wild. Um, It started our piece of sort of recovering the gospel in our generation about 23 years ago, John with a bit man named Brent Curtis wrote a book called the sacred romance. And it was recovering the gospel of the heart moving from what Dallas Willard names as the gospel of sin management, where we just get stuck in tips and techniques and a very didactic model to what does it mean to fall in love with God? What does it mean to receive the love of God, to let the whole person as a man or as a woman be restored, not only saved, but as Paul says, being saved. So this recovering the path and process of wholeheartedness, of an integrated life, both an integrated life personally inside our soul and also an integrated life in God so that we can become the kind of men and women that God can find joy in entrusting the care of his kingdom. And so, you know, it's been said before that every generation loses the gospel and every generation is charged with its recovery. That was G.K. Chesterton. And so it's nothing new, but it's newly recovered. And so our mission was in this moment, in this generation, how do we recover the lost gospel? And we believe in a very specific way, we we had to cut through religiosity and a lot of... um, actual hurt that people received through structure that um, that didn't address the deep life of their heart as a man and as a woman. Yeah. And it, and so John has written John Eldridge that is, and is, um, is the founder of wild at heart. And uh, uh, a few guys, including Morgan have been there many, many years and, and um, a group, a team together. And John's written uh, many, many books. Uh, what, 15 maybe? Uh, yes. And so I've read every one of them and they have had a huge impact in my life. And then also um, Morgan released a book uh, in 2020 called Becoming a King. And um, 
It's a fantastic book too. I am just getting through that and I've been connected with Morgan through a friend of mine and uh, man, uh, just a, Anything they write is amazing. They've got retreats. They've got all kinds of things. So Wild at Heart, first of all, is just something I recommend to uh, to a lot of men. And, and now they have started to have more women's events and things as well. So just a, a powerful ministry of heart change goes right along with Crazy Cool Family, goes right along with building relationships and creating culture and pursuing a God that is worth following. So um, just wanted to introduce that. And uh, like I said, Morgan's been there for um, 23 years, you were saying, and um, raised a family. Tell us about your family a little bit. Yeah, it's really uh, sacred to just think about this milestone with my son, Joshua, 19 years old, graduated from high school last week. And uh, he has his EMT certification. He's about to launch into a gap initiation year before he goes to university. And my daughter just turned 16, bought a car. She, I, she drove me home this morning from picking her up at the airport. And so we're at this moment of launching young adults. But Don, the beauty of it is when, when this started, and when I say this, meaning the recovery of the gospel in my heart and in my wife's heart, Sherry, we were unmarried, and we were beginning to um, come to know God in an intimate, transformational way. And, and it was the beginning of salvation, but then it was deeper. It was recovering a path and process of wholehearted maturity. And John Eldridge married us, and he actually finished riding Wild Heart in a rented minivan in the back seat while he was driving to officiate our wedding in 2000. Wow. So it's pretty wild to see what God's done since then. <coughs> Excuse me. And as I look over time, what I'm aware of is becoming a Christian didn't solve the internal disintegration. It didn't address the boys within my heart as a man. It was uh, essential, but it wasn't enough, Don. And so as I look over the last 20 or 30 years of walking with God, 30 plus years, but specifically the last 25 years of being in this fellowship, what it's afforded me is a returning to the deepest work of how do I receive Christ into every part of my being and engage in this path and process where I'm becoming an integrated human person to bring to my wife so that as she's becoming more wholehearted, I'm becoming more wholehearted. There's this third entity that's forming that, that models the Trinity, that it's, it's really a homecoming where there's this third entity that's us. And we, we literally, it's generative. We bring it into being and then we bring these young people generatively into our home. And, and I believe the scripture, you know, he sets the orphans in family, that the external is actually a picture of the internal. And so all these years, what's been happening is not only maturing in a family, but actually doing the internal family work inside our souls to become whole. And we believe that the family is the epicenter of the community of, of the body of Christ. And that's that's very unique, family per family and culture each culture is unique, but, but fundamentally, every person is born of mother and father 
and he's setting the lonely in families. He's restoring family. And that's become the epicenter of our mission, but also the epicenter of what God uses to make us whole. Yeah. And so, you know, as you started your journey, so now I love talking to dads who are down the road in the journey and especially down the road and successful because I'm going to bet that um, Abigail and Joshua uh, love the Lord and have their own relationship with the Lord. Uh, would you would you say that for them? Is that is that fair to say? It is fair to say. And w- but what I would add to it that's so important. One mentor early in my years said, "If you want to know how you're doing as a parent." Wait until your kids turn 40, and then you can begin to slowly ask that question. And here's what I mean. It's very important to release the outcomes. The outcomes by way of the measuring stick of how am I doing as a parent. Mm -hmm. That's very different in my experience than committing to becoming a son myself, to engaging God as my father, to going through the process of becoming the kind of person that I would want them to become. Because it's very different. I'm going to stop you right there because you said something I think is, it's in your book too, I think that's very profound. And I I want people to catch it. Every once in a while on our podcast, I'll just shut it down and I'll say, wait, stop, stop. Please, And and what you said was is that, you say it again because I don't know if I'll get it right. That you want to become the kind of person your kids want to become. Is that what you said? Yes, that I'm I want to become the kind of person that I long for them to become. Ah, there you go. So okay, you want to become now, the kind of person. And so expand on that a little bit because really what that means is is that parenting becomes a whole lot more about you than it does about them. And you also talked about releasing outcomes. So tie those two together for me. Sure. Well, I I think fundamentally, if we're honest, which is brutal work, if we're honest and we notice, let's just take an inventory. What is our motivation as it relates to our parenting? Notice when you get pissed off. Notice when you want the kids to behave. Notice when you want the kids to perform. Notice how you feel when it doesn't go the way you want it to go with your kids. That motive is really important. It's telling us something very central about our soul. Because if we don't know who we are, if we haven't done the internal work to find our identity, to find our own self-worth, to find our value in who God made us to be and into that intimate relationship, we need to use external things to feel good about who we are. And there's no greater temptation and no greater place of damage than using our children as our report card, as the measuring stick. And now I was at graduation last week and one father said, the kids are a report card on us and I have an A plus. And it was this kind of cute, endearing moment. And it broke my heart. Mm. It broke my heart, Don, because right now 
he's getting an A plus because she's killing it. What happens when she can't get pregnant and he doesn't get a grandkid? What happens when she has a drug addiction? What happens when she marries the wrong man? What happens when she puts all her money into some business venture and it fails and she gets an F, then he has an F. Do you see how it's set up for failure? Yeah, you're saying so I've outcomes. Absolutely. So I have had hundreds of men come to me with a question of some version of how do I initiate my sons? I'll just give that as an example. Very fair question. And what I can tell you is most of the time that's coming out of pressure, fear, and shame. Most of the time it's a father saying, oh crap, I don't know what to do, right. but I need to do something. I don't want to screw up. Tell me what to do. I have never in 25 years had a man come to me and say, you know what? I was an orphan and now I've become a son and I have matured in my relationship with God and I really feel parented by God. And I have these kids and I'm excited to offer to them what I've received, but can you tell me how to do it? Never once. Right. Because our, our relationship with them is an outflow of who we have and have not become. And so that's why it's really important to say, um, we have to start with motives and motives are always centered around the heart. And that is very different than seven steps to healthy communication. It, it, th- those are not unimportant, but they're secondary things. And they're always going to be a reflection of where we're taking our question as a man, as a woman, as a parent. And let's go back. Let's dig into that a little bit, because what you said was, is we focus on outcomes. And then you you mentioned a few different examples of when my kid obeys or when my kid does this or whatever. And it either makes me feel good as a parent because I get the A plus, or it makes me feel terrible or embarrassed or whatever it is. And really, those are indications what I'm hearing from you is that Man, when we rely on those for our for our validation, when we rely on those for our uh, inner peace or healing or the chaos that comes from those, that's where we're relying on the wrong things to satisfy us. So can I give a couple examples of this in my yeah. mentoring as, as God fathered me? Let me give you a few snapshots to validate your point. So I live in Colorado Springs, a small, uh, not a small city. 35 years ago, maybe, I, I went, I was very eager to learn parenting. And I went to this mentor's house. He had five boys and it was crazy. It was on the edge of town, in the trees, utter chaos, weapons, toys, bikes. It was cacophony. And it felt like forever to drive out there. And I could feel that sort of joy of the woods, but the anxiety of all the crap everywhere. And I said, Mark, tell me what's going on here. And he said to me, I bought my kids two years of childhood by moving out here. And what I, what I want to name is he was willing, he'd become the kind of person that could commute into town for work and to put up with tons of chaos with the mission of, I want to maximize childhood. This world grows kids up far too fast. 
It was a data point where he gets his question. Another mentor, I I was at his house and we were sitting on the porch and he said, I want to have the kind of relationship with my son. His kids were about 10, 12. He said that when they get a girl pregnant in high school, I'm the first one they want to tell. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Don, I will never forget those words for a dog. What, what father wants his son to get a girl pregnant in high school? Yeah. In, in, you know, in the Western culture, let's just be honest. That's a brutal assignment for God bless every man out there that has that story. But for him to say the kind of relationship I'm cultivating, what he's saying is I want this place to be every possible failure that my son's going to have uh, that could happen under this roof. I want it to happen here. I want the atmosphere to have so much love that when he screws up, when he makes a mistake, I'm the place he runs to, not the person he runs from. You know, I had a, a, a mentor that got back from a spring break trip with his 17 or 18-year-old daughter, and he was telling me about how they did a tequila shot together. Right. And you could feel the room. And these guys going, wow, okay, like, that's interesting. You know, Christian dad and – you're doing tequila shots with your 17-year-old daughter. And he said, she's going to do it now or later. And she's going to do it with somebody. How would it be for her heart to feel so loved and so safe and to do it in a man, with a man who cares for her so much that when she's with some dirtbag in some compromising situation, she's going to go, why would I do this here when I have so much safety with my dad, joy with my dad, intimacy with my dad, celebration with my dad, the point is not the alcohol. And I'm sure I already lost listeners. The point is, it's about her heart. And that dad is willing to risk his reputation. He's willing to risk laying down his tips and techniques and principles on the being the perfect parent to say, I want to be a student of my daughter's heart. And I'm willing to put my reputation on the line that doesn't come from a parenting handbook. That comes from a man who knows who he is and is willing to risk for the sake of love, not knowing how it's going to turn out. Well, and I think what you just said at the end there is super important. Well, first of all, I mean, what you're saying so lines up with, we talk about being an an encouraging, inspiring parent, creating a safe haven that the kids can come in, you know, to have your house be a place where, you know, that, uh, your, your your kids will know they're being listened to. But what you're saying also is tying it back to if we're not whole on our inside, we can't handle that. I, I remember, you know, absolutely. I have four older daughters. And so as most of our listeners may know, and I remember thinking about, okay, my daughters are going to have sex with a man sometime, you know, and oh my goodness, that was, uh, but then I thought, you know, and we're teaching them to be pure. I always tell them, you know, be pure for 25 years so you can enjoy your sexuality with your husband for 60 years, you know? And so, Mm -hmm. but, but, and it really took a shift in me to think, okay, I really want to encourage that. So, you know, my my daughter, even my oldest daughter talks about in, in our book, Crazy Cool Family, how when my oldest uh, son-in-law, when, or her husband came to me to ask her hand in marriage, we talked about their sex life. We mm-hmm. talked about what was going to, I said, I am entrusting you with the sex life of my daughter. And, and it was a kind of a freaky moment for him because he didn't expect it at all. But I'm like, 
Why, right. won't, why won't we talk about that? I am, you know, I'm secure in myself. I'm secure. You know, my daughter has waited to be married and to embark on this. I don't want my daughter to have a bad sex life. I mean, you know, I, I don't I want, don't want her to have sex before marriage. But then after it's like, OK, that's what we've waited for. You know, so just having those conversations. But, but you're saying what I'm hearing from you is like, wow, we got to be secure within ourselves. And I think even in your book, you talk about, you know, if we can't, we have to have the restoration of our identity that in order for us to live out of who we are so that we can be safe and not be controlled by the outcomes of our lives, right? Well, and Don, that's the brilliance of parenting is that there's no crucible greater than parent in marriage to show us our unfinished places, right? Like a man like you, a man like me, like we're passionate about this. We live to be parents and to be husbands. And so, you know, I, I've taken the journey of, of this quest towards wholehearted masculinity and femininity in my daughter and my son is, is my primary mission. And my son was older and I took him through his vision quest and it was beautiful. And he's heart of my heart. We're very similar. Abigail and I have some similarities, but then some very significant distinctions. And I built her this vision quest board on her wall. Um, and there isn't enough time in the podcast to unpack it all, but it was the framework for these fundamental questions of initiation to become a wholehearted person. And we agreed on it. We walked through it. We designed it together. We built it. And two years after, she said, I don't like this. This is my room. And I don't want this in my room. And it was a moment where I had to really dig deep because it, it was, it literally, I, I could have taken offense because it was such a core cut yeah, to my how identity. Old, how old was she at the time? She was 14. Right. And the holiest moment, I believe now in my daughter's 16 years, in loving her, delighting in what she delights, becoming a student of her heart, was the day I ripped down her vision quest board. I ripped it board by board, and I threw it in the garbage, and I sat in the garage, and, and the voice of shame was right there. Look at you. You can't even you know, parent a few kids. And there was this other voice of love saying, this is where it gets real. This is where there's no script. There's no playbook. This is where you're out of the boat and you are being led by a wild God. And it's going to require a death of everything in you that's false. And you have the privilege of engaging in the death that comes before death so that you can live a supernatural life. And the greatest gift you can give your kids is first modeling a life in the kingdom of God. And then secondly, giving them direct access and literally work myself out of a job where they no longer need me right, because right. they have God. And it took that moment of total death in my body. And little did I know God was just setting me up for the challenges that were coming ahead that were way bigger than ripping something off a wall. The point is there was something in me that had to die and I wasn't even aware of it until I was brought to the end of what I thought was right and loving until I got to the point where I said, this isn't about me. This is about being a student of my daughter's heart and delighting in which she delights. 
And now I can just tell you the fruit of the trust we have in each other, the breakthrough. I mean, we just drove back from Denver and we're laughing, telling stories, listening to music. We have a, we have a connection back that, that I almost lost that only came from doing the work of becoming wholehearted and becoming a student of her heart. Do you feel like you almost lost it because you were trying too hard? I mean, what did God reveal to you about why you were losing the relationship? Yeah, it's a really, it's a really deep question. You know, fundamentally in my worldview, Don, I, I believe, you know, C.S. Lewis said that heaven is the consummation of of our earthly discipleship that, that, you know, one of my best friends mentors died of lung cancer, 11 year battle. And on his grave marker, because he knew he was going to cross over, he had the privilege of etching the words that he wanted. And he wrote John Milton Moorhead end of construction. Thank you for your patience. Mm. You see, he had a worldview of, I am a man under construction. And all of my life, everything in this world is preparation to become the kind of king that God finds absolute joy in entrusting the care of his kingdom for all of eternity. We will live forever. And so to circle back to your question, when you have a worldview that we are meant to live with increasing risk, we were meant to live on this precipice of constant dependency on God in his supernatural life, that there's no retirement in the kingdom of heaven. It's just promotion after promotion. Right. And I want to keep maturing. And so that's really the model that I'm living. And that's what I'm inviting my children into. And so it's really my fundamental way of being in the word and in, uh, being in the world. And, and the phrase we use in our household is we want to cultivate ourselves as lifetime learners and lovers. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're after. Yeah. So, you know, I, I feel like there's a lot of guys and, and ladies too, that sit here and listen to this. And, you know, I'm 30, we've been married, Suzanne, I've been married, been parents for 32 years. You're working on how many years of marriage? 23. 23 and uh, been in the ministry for 23 years, um, you know, in a very powerful men's and now women's ministry. So I get a lot of guys and girls that say, okay, there's no way I can get there. There's, I mean, this is intense. These guys are all, I mean, these guys are serious and they're passionate. And so, um, but I want to be there and I want so often, I want my I want my kids to have that. I want my kids to be lifelong learners. I want my kids to be lifelong learners and lovers. You know, when you look at, at, at your at what you've written in your book, and, and guys, I can't tell you enough to go get Becoming a King, um, where do they start? You know, I mean, where does a guy who's going, yeah, I'm, you know, like in your book, you talked about, I can't even get my lawn mowed, much less... Um, much less, you know, do a vision quest board for my daughter. I can't even think about that. And I don't know where my motives are and things like that. Where do you say that they start with their journey? Don, I would respond to that with such compassion 
which I wouldn't have had for myself and other people 20 years ago. I have compassion because I know a father that is more interested in the care, the restoration, the transformation of our listeners, including me and you, more than they are. That's what our father's up to. When I think of my Joshua and my Abigail, what I think about is God neither slumbers nor sleeps. What he's mostly working on is his plan to see that they become wholehearted, mature human beings. Mm -hmm. And I get to be a part of what he's doing. And so right there, the pressure's off. It's not up to me. I come with a curious response. I come listening in. God, who have you made my little Abigail Rose to be? What's in her? And how do I participate in what you are already doing for her heart? And so what I would say to our listeners is I would, I would respond with two things. Start with the questions and start where you are. And here's what I mean. Questions are so much more important than answers in our spiritual formation. And we have those questions in there and they're below the surface. And because we live in such a fast and furious culture, Richard Foster said the curse of our age is superficiality because we so rarely get into the depth of our souls. We don't recover the questions. My journey really began with recovering the questions. My late twenties, where I said, you know, I won everything in my false self, in my posing. I had won the world and lost my soul. And I realized God was saying, you have to find the questions. And so questions for a man are something like, what's not working? Mm -hmm. What's not working? Where do I feel behind? Where do I feel like life is up to me to make it happen? Even as a good man, even as a Christian, as a husband, as a father, where do I feel like life is up to me? And Dallas Willard says, you know, actions reveal beliefs 100% of the time. So forget your creedal statements. Forget, forget what you ought to say. Recover the questions. Those are three of them of, you know, what's not working? Where do I feel behind? Why do I feel like it's up to me? Let those questions linger until you can get to your honest heart's confession that's demonstrated by your actions, that's way below your beliefs. Start there. And then secondly, start where you are. Every day, at every moment, God is opening a doorway to access this narrow road that leads to life. I believe that there is a supernatural access point of every moment of every day. Right now, I'm standing up because I hurt my back really bad on Saturday morning. Sherry and I slipped away for two days of mountain biking to celebrate our graduating. My son graduated, but we really graduated. We got a promotion. We have something to celebrate. So we slipped away two days of mountain biking and I tweaked my back really bad and, and I couldn't even get the bikes out of the truck. She had to get her own bike out of the truck and go biking by herself. And in this moment, there's a lot coming up in my soul related to this back injury. And 
there's a way I handle my body that I demand things of it that has so much to do with my soul and so much to do with an orphaned part of me and so much to do with a false man who finds love by coming through. And yet this back injury is this invitation from the heart of God to say, what if you were kind to yourself? What if the body keeps the score, as Bessel van der Kolk says, and what if actually this is a severe mercy? And what am I doing for your heart in this? So that is just a micro example. I could give you a dozen examples from my last 48 hours, but that's one example of that's my on-ramp right now of how I will handle my heart as I deal with this injury and what's on my calendar for the next week and how it's going sideways because of it. And so where are you? Start there. The father knows what he's doing and recover your questions and let them guide you as a son, as a daughter back to this path of recovering your whole heart as God intended it to be. Yeah. So, so really if I'm hearing you right, just to start asking, that's a great um, that's just, just a great takeaway today is just to ask questions, what's not working, and to let God into that, you know, literally just to turn it over to the Father and say, God, I don't feel like this is working. Can you tell me why? And and totally. And, and he really will reveal that to you. I mean, that's how people say, how does God speak to me? Well, that's it right there. When you go to God with the questions, God doesn't want you to come to him with his, with your answers. He wants you to come to him with your questions because he's a father, just like just like we want our kids to come to us with questions so that we can uh, explore with them how to best uh, answer those questions for their lives. Yeah, Don, it's it's just spot on because I, I, I think even when I'm having that posture of what are the questions and what's the odd ramp, that it's amazing how life is so much closer than we've been led to believe so much more accessible. It's a breath away, right? When Jesus says, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. It's very near. The veil is thinner than we think. And I'll give you an example. You know, I grew up in a culture with a lot of shame and fear. And so there was no room to say, I'm sorry. Because if you said, I'm sorry, you were admitting that you were wrong. And if you're wrong, then you're bad. And if you're bad, you're a failure. And so that's all subconscious. But at the end of the day, it was a performance culture that didn't leave room to say, I'm sorry. And already today, there's been a moment where I've had to apologize to my wife, a moment with my son. I'm just sort of doing an inventory and a moment with my daughter to say, I'm sorry, I missed the mark. The power for the heart of someone entrusted to your your care to hear you say, I'm sorry, I was wrong, would you forgive me? And so even if there's a dad out there feeling shame or, you know, I'm not not measuring up and I'm missing the mark, um, if, if that, if that, dad were going to come home tonight and say, you know, to his daughter, like, honey, I noticed yesterday I was pretty angry and shut down. And I think I probably do that a lot more than I realized. I just wanted to back up and say, I'm sorry for that. 
I was wrong. Would you forgive me? And, and, and when it's good for you, when it's safe, I, I'd really be open to hearing like, what's it like to live with me? What's the impact of my life? That's a hard question. To That's ask. enough. <laughs> oh, it's an impossible question. It's not hard. It's impossible, but it'll set you free. Yeah. It'll set you free. Well, which really goes into, you know, being that listening parent, which we've got to be. I just, I just feel like that, you know, one of the themes of this podcast is really one of the themes of your book is, is that we have to restore our identity. We have to ask the question so we can restore our identity so that we can live wholehearted with our families. That the that literally the best thing, you know, we say a crazy cool family, the best thing you can do for your family is, is to present them the best version of you. That that if you mm. can do that, and so and so much of parenting and that we we're trying to just articulate this in our brains right now, because we're always learning as parents too, is that so much of parenting is not about the child, it's about the parent. And when we learn that, so as a start parents, if you're wondering where you start, I love starting with asking the questions, but the questions are not about, so often the parents come to us and say, I have a question for you about my child. Yes. And and we will say, you know, sorry, I have a question about you because normally what's going to happen is when we can get to the parent to have them ask the right questions, so, not suddenly, but over time, their child will change because of because many times the parent in their um, in their not asking the right questions and they're not finding their identity. They are projecting things, and their kids are responding to those. Yes, yeah, Don. I, I think that's beautiful, and I'm so glad that you do that holy work of taking parents deeper. And I think even one more angle that. I would invite some of these parents that are tracking with us that are really interested, right? We all want to love our kids. And if we take your counsel seriously, one of the beautiful on-ramps to restoration is this idea that often the age that is manifesting in our child, that maybe they're eight years old, right? Maybe they're 16, will elicit that age part within our own soul. And so you might have a four-year-old daughter that's triggering something in the four-year-old part of you. Now, you might be 32 and have no idea in your consciousness, but you see this in a lot of women, a lot of moms in their 30s. What happens is their daughters become the age where they experienced abuse. And it flips like a switch and they don't know why, but it's actually the four-year-old or the eight-year-old or the 12-year-old within them that's being triggered. And so another layer to consider is when you find yourself not being the kind of parent that you want to be and something's being triggered in you, in me, from an interaction with this child outside of us, to pause and ask, what age is this part of me within? And and what does Jesus want to bring for that part? Because so much of the work we do at Becoming a King and Become Good Soil, which is the deep apprenticeship track for Wild of Heart, is we go deep into the human person, the, the Isaiah 61 of Christ has come to heal the entire human person. 
And there are parts of us that are fractured within. And so parenting is the perfect opportunity for God to shine light on unhealed, uninitiated, disintegrated parts within us so that Jesus can come and integrate that part. And so it's actually an amazing opportunity if we seize it. Wow. Wow. That's so good about the, you know, just the age. Cause you know, it's like the four-year-old throws a fit and the, and the mom or dad acts like a four-year-old. It's like, you know, they, they act, they basically, and you know, they match the fit instead Absolutely. of down. And you're, you're saying that's usually a lot of times we need to ask. And that's, you know, it's a great example of when that happens, when your child triggers you, ask the question, yes. what is happening? Absolutely. You know, what is going on? Why am I, becoming uh, an absolute idiot here with my child, you know, Lord, what is that true? Because that's when we are, I'm going back to what you said before. It's because that's when we're looking to uh, outcomes are, are supplying our validation, the outcome of our kids. So my kid, it triggers something in me. I throw a fit too. And I don't, and, and so then I think it's the child's fault, but in reality, I need to ask the question about me. Because I need to take Absolutely. the to God. It's always an opportunity. Every triggering moment is an opportunity for our deeper restoration. And from that place, we're able to truly love. The whole way back to the first part of our conversation, right? Our mission is to love as we have received love. Right. And as we become integrated... You know, there's a beautiful passage where it says the evil one came against Jesus, but he could find nothing in him. In other words, there was no access point from within Christ because he was an integrated and mature human being that was rooted in the life of his father. And so how do we become that kind of person where our goal truly is love? for the sake of another, not love because we need someone or something outside of us to make us feel good. And that's what frees our children to actually flourish and to actually become everything God meant them to be, even in ways beyond our understanding and control. Well, I love it in your book, even you said that, um, you know, and, and this is parents, we, you know, if we want our children to have identity that that, you know, Jesus went into his fasting, those 40 days of prayer and fasting and the temptation. And the enemy kept saying, if you are the son of God, if you yes. are the son of God, then do this. Well, he didn't have to wonder if he was the son of God because he had just gotten baptized. And God said to him, you are my son in whom I'm well pleased. And so, and, and if we want our children, so first of all, we get that identity from God. We can handle when the enemy comes to us and says, if you think you are a believer, if you think this or whatever, we can say that, that God says that about us. But then think about this, parents. What if you're saying that to your children? What if you're giving them that identity? You are my child. You are loved. You are well-pleased. I, I am well-pleased with you. You start with your identity. This all comes down, you know, what we're, as we, as we kind of land the plane on this podcast, I just feel like the word of the Lord is, it all comes down to, asking the questions and out of the questions, getting your identity, you know, yes. you, you ask the questions and God's going to come to you and he's going to say, here's the answer to that question. You are my child. You are my adopted 
child and you can walk in who I am. And then we also then take that and we take that identity that comes out of our questions and we give it to our children first. And we say, no, you are my child. And I want to pursue a relationship with you. And out of that, then they get their identity from Christ, ultimately, which is happening with your 16-year-old and your 19-year-old now in, in their own imperfect ways. They are, and, and with your imperfect ways, you're seeing your 16-year-old um, and your 19-year-old start to develop their own identity statements and bring their own questions to God, right? Oh, Absolutely. It's, it's the greatest honor to realize that as we do the work, there's no greater way to give our kids access to God, right? It's, it's the wild paradox. It's actually not what we do as parents. It's who we become because ultimately we offer the sum and total of the person we become, right? Dallas Willard says the only thing we take to heaven with us is the person we have become. And so that is my greatest responsibility. And now 25 years in my greatest joy in parenting Mm. is to become a wholehearted son of God, to recover my joy, to recover who God meant when he meant me to be right on time in my initiation and to model that I'm living the same gospel the gospel that's truly life and and it's available to all and, and to our listeners yeah i would just encourage them like you you are being pursued even in this podcast there is a father that is at work that cares so deeply that knows your story knows your trauma knows your unfinished he knows your secret places and there's nothing you could do to make him love you any more. And there's nothing you could do to make him love you any less. The one who knows you best is the one who loves you most. And so the question is, what would be the next step to risk believe, living as if that were so and to engage the heart of God into your own heart to, to take back even more of your initiation And out of that place of recovering your identity through the questions to become the kind of person, to have the kind of faith where as your kids mature, they go, I want, I want what they have. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, a physical family, you guys know, a lot of you know what we do. We focus on giving you a vision for family to give you a bit. we, we, We are not necessarily uh, by focus a discipleship ministry. We're not even really necessarily a marriage ministry, although those factors obviously come into play. But ministries like Wild at Heart do a fab, and, and you can tell, I hope you can tell why I feel like that's this, just the passion of Morgan here has had just a, the passion of that ministry has had a huge influence in my life. So Morgan, if, if someone were to come to you, obviously go buy the book, Becoming a King. I can highly recommend that. Um, um, but so many other things that wild at heart and, 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 but if you were to take parents in our, let's say our demographic that they've got, you know, birth to teenage kids, mostly, you know, we have older parents and things like that. And, but for the most part, those are the people that are listening to this podcast. How can they connect with wild at heart best? Yeah, I think, 
Um, if there are listeners that are really resonating, we have an entire world of resources that, um, that are available. And what I want to do is be kind because no one needs to be overwhelmed, right? I mean, life is fast and furious and there's a lot. And so I would say a few things. Um, at Wada Heart, we have the pause app and it's a beautiful free app that has these just amazing, um, it's the, it's the wardrobe door of Narnia to step through a thin veil and enter the kingdom of God. And so it's called the pause app and you can get it anywhere where apps are downloads free and has these beautiful prayers directed by John. I would encourage start there, begin with a little bit of soul care and receiving for your own heart. And then at becomegoodsoil.com, we have a body of work of the deeper track of, of, um, recovering our own heart, and then specifically as parents. And so uh, becomegoodsoil.com, there's a beautiful series Sherry and I put up there on parts work that that reflects a lot of what we're talking about here. But it, just to go in the search bar and type parenting, you'd get a whole host of free resources and, and podcasts and blogs that really cut um, deeper into what we're discussing today. And that would be becomegoodsoil.com. Yeah, we'll put those in the show notes as well. Um, and so you can look at those for the pause app, used it, um, becoming good soil, become good soil.com, right? Now, I, becoming, yes. becoming a king, but become good soil. Uh, yes. So, um, yeah, we'll put all that in the show notes as well. So look for those, um, you know, kind of summarize what we've said is, is that, you know, it goes back to what we say, crazy cool family, the best fathers and mothers are first sons and daughters of the king. And so, as you dive into that, as you bring your questions to the Father, you're going to find that He is going to answer them in the most incredible ways. What I love about Wild at Heart, what I love about Become, Become Good Soil and, and the book and the Pause app and all of that is that it really challenges uh, men and women to just become the best they can be, to, to, be, to live life as an adventurer with the king, you know, and, and it's, it's a, it's a incredible resource for you. Um, yeah. Thanks Morgan for being on with us. I hope your back gets better. That's thank uh, you. Uh, I was, I was wondering why you were standing. We're, we're on a zoom call right now. And so I was wondering, I was like, man, he, he likes, he's, he's, he, that intensity is even more. But I'm not <laughs> Yeah. I can't sit down. I have an Epic bike tour that I'm supposed to go on in 48 hours. That's uh through the mountains. And so, yeah, it's wild. And, it's a, it's a journey with God, right? It's always frontier. There's always more in our initiation, and I'm in it for the ride. So we'll see how it goes. Well, thanks for your time, and I know our listeners are going to benefit from it. And, um, man, just thanks you, too, for all of your work in helping men and women just to become all that God has them to be. So, um, Thanks, Don. Well, I'm really proud of what you're doing and just unbelievable to look at your family from age 17 to 33 and <laughs> these now these in-laws, and uh, it's beautiful. So keep going and uh, we're here to serve you. So thanks so much. 